Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. We have a very great speaker, and I know she will bring the word, and she is one of our youth coming into one of our youth leaders soon. Yeah. Uh, Let's all welcome and give a round of applause for Eva Caraballo. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Um, Honestly, my approach to this one, Pastor, you know, he asked me, I was like, what? Me? Honestly, guys, I was like, I wanted to crawl down and go like, are you me? I just, I don't know. I just, it really felt so humbling that he gave me this opportunity. I'm just so thankful to be here. And honestly, a lot of what we're doing today, we are just reading the Bible. That was the only thing that I asked God. I was like, I do not want to say too much. So we're just going to go through the Bible, all right? Let's pray before we start. Thank you, Father God, for allowing us to be here, Lord. And again, I just pray that your words be greater than mine, Lord. You be greater and I become less. And we just thank you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. So we're going to be in Romans 9 today. Let me give you just a little backstory first. This is Paul. He's talking about God's promise and just how important it is. And he gives two examples. We're going to start in Romans 9, verse 10, and that's his second example. And here he's talking about God's promise to Rebecca. That's the mother of Esau and Jacob. Before the twins were even born, God already said what was going to happen, what their purpose would be and that this was decided before they did any actions and was simply based on God's plan. I'm going to read the end of verse 12 that says, The older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. Now, when I was doing this, I like to read multiple versions to just kind of get the meaning of it. So most of this is going to be in the NIV, but I read the Amplified and I read the message. And the message, I think, just kind of summarizes perfectly what we're gonna be talking about today. The message version says, what God did in this case made it perfectly plain that his purpose is not a hit or miss thing dependent on what we do or don't do, but a sure thing determined by his decision flowing steadily from his initiative. I'm gonna read that again. His purpose is not a hit or miss thing dependent on what we do or don't do, but a sure thing determined by his decision. What we're talking about today is God's sovereignty and just how he is in control of everything. God's sovereignty means that he is Lord, he is supreme, and his choices and plans are sovereign and far greater than anything we could ever do. His will prevails. We're also going to see God's providence, and that is his hand in everything. We're going to go to verse 15. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. You see, God's mercy, it goes to whomever he chooses. And what is that? It's his sovereign gift. It's the supreme gift. We do not deserve it, nor can we earn it, because it does not depend on us. This again supports our first point when we were saying that he chooses who to have mercy on, who to have compassion on. 
It's because his purpose is not a hit or miss thing, and it does not depend on what we do or don't do. We're going to verse 17. It says, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. So here we're talking about Pharaoh. Back in Egypt, when the Israelites were enslaved and Moses was trying to get Pharaoh to set them free. Now, the Bible does says that Pharaoh hardened his heart, but the Bible also says that God hardened his heart. When I was trying to figure out a way to summarize this the best that I could, the only thing that I could think of was that in the end, God does what he wants. It does not depend on us uh, of what we do or what we don't do. Because here's the thing, sometimes God will glorify himself through showing mercy. Sometimes God will glorify himself through a man's hardness. His ways are higher and his thoughts are greater. So who are we to question it? Who are we to question God on what he decides to do? Verse 19 says, one of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? You see, as Paul was writing this, he says all of this, he's like, yeah, God chooses who to have mercy on, who to have compassion on. He hardens who he wants to harden. He then says, I'm sure that some of you are asking, then who could ever resist his choice? Why try? And I thought it was funny and interesting because the thing is that we do have free will. We commit choices, we commit sin, and we do veer off of God's plan. Now the thing is, the great thing is that his will still prevails. What came to mind was, again, we're talking about Moses here. When they went into the desert, they were wandering for 40 years to get to the promised land. Why? Because of their choice to disobey, because of their unwillingness. Here's the thing, God's promise was fulfilled, but I like to think that, man, it was kind of delayed. Because honestly, they could have gone from here to here, but because of their choice, they went from here to here. We are responsible when we go before him for what? Our choices. So yes, God's will prevails, but we still play some part in that. Verse 20 says, but who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? See, Paul is like, it is disrespectful that you would even ask that. Because again, who are we to question God? The message says, it, you know, amazingly, it says, who in the world do you think you are to second guess God? Do you for one moment suppose any of us knows enough to call God into question? And then when I read this, it reminded me of Job. In chapter 38, God responds back and he just starts going off on him like, were you there? Were you here when I did this and this and this? We're gonna go to that, all right? Job 38, we're gonna start in verse four. It says here, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions, surely you know, who stretched a measuring line across it, on what were its footings set, 
or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb and when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this is how far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. You see, if you have ever questioned God, if you've ever doubted him, if you've sat there asking why or how or why would you do this, I believe this is God's response to that. Because have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it may take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you ever journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you ever comprehended the vast expenses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light and where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know because you were already born. Have you, you have lived so many years. Have you ever entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no one lives, an uninhibited desert to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew, from whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you bind the chains of the plates? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellation in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with the flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you, here we are? Who gives the ibis wisdom or gives the rooster understanding? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the claws of earth stick together? Who is it? Because I know it's not me and I know it's not you, but it's God. See, when I was reading all of this and it's telling me who God is, I'm left in awe and in wonder because again, who am I to question God? See, to know God is to fear him. When I read all of this, the only thing I feel is that fear of the Lord. And fear of the Lord, it's just, I know some people explain it as to have respect, but the thing is that you can respect a teacher, you can respect a friend, and you can respect a coworker, so how do you just respect God? To fear the Lord is to know him, and once you know him, you know his will. And what have we learned? His will prevails. His will is supreme over everything. To fear the Lord is to trust in him and to stay in awe of who he is and to submit under him. And once you submit under him, then you are able to accomplish the will that he has for you. Who are we to question God? I wanna bring up another point, because maybe you're thinking, you know, what about prayer? 
because prayer is powerful. Now, the direction that I want to take this is that when we do pray, sometimes God answers in a way that we were not expecting or in a way that we just did not want to hear. We're going to take David as an example. 2 Samuel 12, 14 to 22. That is the entire story. I'm not going to read all of those. I'm going to summarize a little bit. But this is after David had sinned and the prophet Nathan came and rebuked him. So after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and he became ill. See, David pleaded with God. He fasted and spent the night lying in sackcloth on the ground. All the elders of his household were there trying to get him to eat, but he refused. And then about a week later passes, and David notices that his attendants are like whispering, and David asks, is my son dead? And they respond, yes. Then David got up from the ground, after he had washed and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. And all his servants were asking him, why are you acting like this? Because when he was ill, you, you wouldn't talk to us, but now that he's dead, you're fine? And he answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. What we can learn from this is that David accepted God's decision. So my question to you is, are we ready for God's will? I'm not telling you to not pray. I'm asking if you are ready for the answer to your prayer. Because sometimes we ask for these things and we pray for certain things, but it's like, are your desires aligned with God's? Are your thoughts and wishes and plans aligned with his? Because in the end, yes, God's will prevail. And our choices, he will redirect us. But honestly, I'd rather just go straight to the finish line than take all these unnecessary twists and turns to get to my promised land. Are you ready for God's will over your life? All right, I'm ending with this. Who are we to question God and his will? You cannot fight him. You cannot argue with him because, again, his will prevails in the end. But why complain and why question him when we can easily trust him and give in to the will that he has for our lives? I don't know if some of you have run away from that calling if you have second-guessed him, if you've had doubts. But now is the time to surrender that. Because once you surrender, once you accept the will that he has over your life, it will be easier. It won't be easy, but it will be easier because you've got him with you. Again, who are we to question God? We need to humble ourselves and we need to recognize that he is far greater than anything that we could ever do or be. We need to see and we need to understand what the fear of the Lord actually is. Because we can't necessarily be afraid of God, but we can't think that he won't do anything. Because we can see it in the Bible. He has showcased his wrath. He also showcases his mercy. But guess what? He has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy. He has compassion on whom he has to have compassion, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. He can do whatever he wants. That's a little scary, okay? 
An all-knowing, powerful God can do whatever he wants at any given moment. And I don't know about you, but I want to be living, I want to be straight because, I, you know. So I say this to you, to look at your life, to recognize whether or not you've been running away from the calling or if you've been running away from God's will, if you've been fighting with him, if you've been questioning him, this is the time to surrender that. I'm gonna ask each and every one of you to stand up and we're gonna pray for that. We're gonna pray for our hearts. We're gonna pray for our family members, for the people who don't know what the calling of God is over their life. Because we want to see everybody in heaven, don't we? And the altar is open because this is between you and God. If you feel it in your heart that you've been running away from him, if you've been second guessing him, if you've been questioning him and who he is, or if you don't know who he is, come to the altar and meet him there. Our God is a powerful God. He is a merciful God. And the first step is to surrender. Father God, we give you glory. We give you thanks. I ask that you speak into each and every one of these people's lives, Lord. I ask that those who need to surrender, Lord, that they take that first step to meet you at the altar and to lay everything down. God, for those who don't know what their calling is, what their purpose is, Lord, meet them where they are so they can accept your will for their lives because each and every one of us has a plan your plan lord you have a plan for each and every one of us god lord in the name of jesus we ask for repentance and forgiveness if we have tried to go against what you have wanted if we have complained lord please speak to each and every one of their lives lord and move in this place god help us accept your will and to recognize that we are nothing you created us from the dust, Father God, from the littlest things in the earth, Lord, you made us. We are so small compared to you, Lord. And we just ask that you come and show your power. We ask to be vessels, Lord, that you use us in whatever way you want to use us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you do and what you're going to do, God. Thank you, Jesus. made it to the end of the message and now what is God leading you to make a change are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ then we invite you to join us at all nations church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit our Sunday morning service is at 1030 and Wednesday night service at 7 plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.